What up, what up, Fight fans? Welcome back to episode 136 of the Pound for Pound King of Boxing podcast, The Tale of the Tape. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's going on, brother? The uh, wire has exploded with loads and loads of <laughs> average fights. <laughs> uh, there's some good ones mixed in, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah dude, it's crazy um, how many fights have been announced, especially in the last few hours as we're, we are recording this on a uh, Thursday evening. Yeah. Um, I'm actually kind of glad we waited to do the tale of the tape, uh, episode 136, until Thursday because uh, we fell into a plethora of announcements. I mean, this was the busiest week of news and notes and announcements uh, all year, easily. Yeah. Just the last 24 hours. And it really rounds out the rest of the schedule. Yeah, it does. You know what I mean? It's booked. Yeah, even, even kicks off 2017. That's starting to come together. I mean, look, when the sport goes dark in October, it means that people are up to no good. They are negotiating. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? They're getting things done. And as we found out, there's much speculation about whether the Al Heyman Showtime PBC Universe would announce a schedule to close out the year. Um, and they followed through. And I think we'll probably get a few more announcements to close out the year as well. It looks like Showtime is leading the way, though. Yeah, yeah. Look, they had to regroup, you know, PBC, Showtime, that whole kind of congregation that that group had to figure out you know look we got to get some type of decent fights on here because we're losing people we're losing hardcore fans yeah i mean anytime that there's not a fight on they're losing an opportunity for an audience yeah all right so that's uh you know much to be discussed a lot of fights everything pending in the heavyweight division is starting to work its way out um lots of fight announcements along the way you're tuned into episode 136 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast, be sure to drop by theboxingrant.com today and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spreaker, Google Play, and, of course, the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at VinceCummings81 and at Kenny Keith Jr. You can see us on Facebook. Um, and, of course, every week, new episodes of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Uh, and coming soon, we're going to start releasing... Um, some video footage of the podcast, some takes, fight announcements, previews, all kinds of goodies coming your way here soon, very soon. Yeah, if you don't want to listen to uh, the 45-minute podcast, we're going to break it out for you in little little snippets. Absolutely, and then uh, they will be snippets of YouTube videos, so you get to see uh, our pearly whites. Ooh. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, yeah, a peek into the studio here um, at the Boxing Rant. So let's go ahead and get this thing started, Then Episode 136 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. The heavyweight division has been in limbo. A heavyweight division that last year we talked and previewed coming into 2016 
as if the heavyweight division was on the cusp of something amazing. Right. Now we move in with so much in limbo and much of it stemming from whatever sort of mental illness is plaguing Tyson Fury uh, at the moment as the belts have been vacated. Much rumor about Anthony Joshua versus Vladimir Klitschko with Tyson Fury vacating his belts. But then in the waning hours of negotiations, it seemed that the WBA belt became the bargaining point that would decide the fate of Joshua versus Klitschko. The excuse is what is what I like to call it. It's an excuse for both sides. And you know what? After you know the the whole build up of this fight and me saying on every episode that it ain't fucking happening and it, it, there's just no way. It actually looked like it was going to yeah. for the last week leading up to the last, you know, I'd say Tuesday, Wednesday it started to really go downhill. But I got to tell you what, man. I I don't see it as one side I see it as both of them going, you know what? We can use each other's names. We're not the, the whole time they were never going to fight. We're going to use each other's names to just at least stay at the top of the uh, of the news headlines in boxing. Yep. And then we're just going to break off and fight easier fights. Because let's be honest, man. They're, Klitschko doesn't want to come back and lose. He doesn't want that on his resume. Joshua, I don't care what him and Hearn think or what his camp thinks. that They say they're ready for Klitschko. They ain't ready for Klitschko. They're just not. Hey, the the competition that you go to afterwards and the fight that you have taken now proves that because you could have gone somewhere else, but you go way, way down the list to Mr. David Price. <laughs> I mean, come on. Look, it, the excitement and, and the possibility of, you know, Vladimir Klitschko versus Anthony Joshua in the wake of the Tyson Fury mess. Mm-hmm. Um, it, look, it seemed like it seemed too good to be true. And a lot of people out there were hyping this thing that Anthony Joshua was just going to all of a sudden coming out of, you know, basically 15 fights against absolute nobodies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And a, a very well promoted and very well hyped grudge match against Dillian White that only fighters and fight fans in the UK were familiar with, right? So looking at his resume, what in Anthony Joshua's resume, a guy that I think at some point in time will be the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, but it's not going to happen at this point in Vladimir Klitschko's career. That's not when this is going to happen. No. Maybe two or three years from now, Klitschko said he wants to fight for two or three years. Maybe it's a you know, a last hurrah. Maybe they do try to unify the belts, but it's pretty clear. Once the WBA becomes involved in anything, something fucked up is going to happen. Oh, yeah. And it sure shit did this time because Lucas Brown, a guy that you and I didn't even think existed. We just thought he was like somebody's troll Twitter account. Thought, yeah, I thought he was like a Twitter bot that just took <laughs> selfies and put them up. You know? Oh, but it looks like Lucas Brown is going to be squaring off with Vladimir Klitschko. But before we get to that, Anthony Joshua's decision or Eddie Hearn's bait and switch to David Price. Right. You said it was going to be Chisora. I threw in Price's name. Our powers combined. (laughs) It was Chisora or Price the entire time. And you know what, Vince, I know you kind of patted yourself on the shoulder there for a second earlier, but I'm going to, I'm going to use both hands and pat your back, bud. Cause he's full. Dude, Hearn's full shit. The bait and switch. Yeah. They do. They know what they're doing. All right. And especially, with the casual ba- the casual fan base that Anthony Joshua brings, when he fights, there's a a completely different group of people that do not watch boxing that only watch when Anthony Joshua fights in the UK. 
so he can string them along and they don't know fucking left from right no. they it doesn't they they just if anthony joshua's fighting they're going to pay the $15 or $17 whatever the fuck it is over there yeah and it, it so it doesn't matter he gets away with it and he knows he can and he just looks at the hardcores and goes, you fucking idiots will buy it anyways. He doesn't say it to them, yeah. but he knows that. But he can make Most f- of them will anyways. He can make 5 to $10 million a fight fighting David Price. Yeah. There's no reason for him to take risks. Not yet, because he's not ready. No. So it actually is very intelligent promoting as frustrating as mm-hmm. it is. Because, yeah. you, look, this is the tactic he has to use. Vince, you called it from the very beginning. You're not going to take your prize show pony, especially with the state of UK boxing with all these titles, but very few fighters willing to fight anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, Anthony Joshua's activity serves him well, much in the same way that Triple G staying active, fighting multiple times a year. Sergey Kovalev, these guys that are in your face fighting three to four times a year. Anthony Joshua and Eddie Hearn know that now the getting is going to be great. And they can really ride this for a while. Mix in a legitimate washed-up guy that, you know, is not really a top-ten guy anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Throw, dude, there's, there's matchups to be made. I'm not really that impatient about it because boxing has sucked for so long that I'm looking forward to the next ten years of watching Anthony Joshua. So, for me, there's something to look forward to in the future of boxing. So by Eddie Hearn protecting him in a sense, and look, all those fucking casuals can just go ahead and say, oh, Vlad ducked, yeah. ducked Joshua. This was as much Vladimir Klitschko wanting to take a fight in Germany where he could make a shit ton of money against the schlep as it is Anthony Joshua being very well protected, very well promoted, and very well compensated. Uh, and look, let's be honest, when it comes to that matchup right now, uh, you know, with with Fury out of the picture, and really, who who knows what the fuck's going to happen with him if he's going to come back or not? Why would you, off the break, take the two biggest, most you know, valuable commodities in the heavyweight division and immediately face them off? No, you put their names in the same sentence and in the same stories, and then you build it up for a fucking year or however long they'll eventually fight. And look, there's a reason why Klitschko's fucking sticking around for a while because all of a sudden, guess what? There might be some real big money fights in the heavyweight division that weren't there for him. Even though he made a shitload of money in Germany, now he can make that same amount of money in the States, and the German fight fans will still be watching his fights. So, yeah, it, look, dude, it, it just made sense financially, or didn't make sense financially for, for this fight to be made right now. And there was no fucking way from the beginning. Mix in the fucking Showtime, HBO. There's just too many roadblocks, and, you know, it just stunk from the beginning for me. Apparently, that part of the deal was actually, you know, come to an agreement where Showtime would do the first fight and that there would be a rematch clause and that HBO would get the the rematch. Right. So, you know, that's neither here nor there because it's not happening. So, look, we can look at this, uh, you know, pessimistically. You know, we can be cynics or we can look at it optimistically. And, And, look, while the heavyweight... Division seems stagnant. These guys are going for easier fights. Parker taking the easier road against Andy Ruiz. Uh, Klitschko taking the easier road against Lucas Brown. And Anthony Joshua taking the easier road against David Price. Here's the thing. (laughs) Deontay Wilder's hurt, but now we're going to have four different champions. And if it winds up being Klitschko, Parker, Joshua, and Deontay Wilder, the next 10 years of boxing are going to be absolutely awesome because these guys will not be able to avoid each other forever no i hope not anyways i mean, I'm just envisioning like the four of them coming to an intersection of fucking 
uh, what could be great matchups, but all of them doing fucking U-turns and heading back the other way to uh, the easy money fights, which is what they've been doing. But you're right. They can't fucking, you can't duck and dodge and hide from the, from the big fight forever. I mean, hopefully in a lot of these cases, you know, as much as you bitch about the sanctioning bodies, hopefully these sanctioning bodies will help force these fucking fights because the because the belts are obviously huge bargaining chips for these guys that's why each guy is kind of strategically placed himself to get one belt well and here's the thing so this is logic and when talking about logic and sanctioning bodies in the same sentence (laughs) you can get brain cramps oh fuck yeah just it'll seize up on you and and it won't work anymore you'll shut down seizures exactly look you just said it all these guys are going to be fighting for maybe the next year under their sanctioning body, protected by it, just, you know, fighting voluntary defenses, okay? Mm-hmm. That being the case, they'll all make really good money, and so will the sanctioning bodies. So, yeah, the sanctioning bodies could let these guys milk them for three or four fights before they have to face each other, and they can nickel and dime it and make pretty decent money. Right. But they know that while a Joseph Parker fight might warrant him two or three million dollars guaranteed for a championship defense because that's that would be the low end of the heavy you know the heavyweight spectrum right right if he fights in a unification fight against either Deontay Wilder Vladimir Klitschko or Anthony Joshua or it's Joshua versus Klitschko or Wilder versus Klitschko these these fights become mega fights especially the fights Wilder Klitschko Joshua Klitschko Joshua Wilder mm-hmm. before until Joseph Parker really establishes himself dude those the possibility of those three guys facing each other over the next, let's just say, three or four years because that's Klitschko's timeline, you're talking about sanctioning bodies being able to make mu- fucking Scrooge McDuck money bin loot. Guess who gets left out? Who? Luis Ortiz. Well, I don't know, man. Yeah. Eddie Hearns promised him the world. We'll see. We'll he, see. He vacated that uh, that interim regular... Inter- no, actually, it was the WBA Intercontinental Stealing it from the WWF. <laughs> was it the Intercontinental? Yes. Holy shit. But he vacated it because uh, the uh, Alexander Ustinov fight's obviously not happening. But now we get Anthony Joshua versus David Price for the IBF, Klitschko versus Brown for the vacant WBA, and Parker versus Ruiz for the vacant WBO. You saw some footage recently of the WBC champ. Mm-hmm. How does Deontay look as he recovers from his broken hand, his third broken hand? Uh, I can say he was working the left, which I like to see, man. I'm, I'm glad the kid's using his time wisely. Like, you know, you can't, obviously your right hand's broken. You can't use that. So get in the gym. And, and honestly, his left hand is the weakest part of his game. And he was working on that lead left hook. And dude, if he adds that to the arsenal, fuck man, he's, he becomes even scarier, but God, his right arm atrophy. Oh, looks so <laughs> fucking skinny, man. You know, my, my first thought was like, uh, steroids. And then I'm like, no, nah, he just hasn't fucking used his arm in four months or three months, whatever yeah. it's been. Yeah. But yeah, man, I mean, half the fucking size. Oh, dude, when I had my hip surgeries, my leg got so skinny from atrophy from not using it. Yeah. I mean, it was. It sits in a sling or you don't move your leg all day. Yeah. Muscle goes to sleep. Yep. Um, well, yeah, it is good to see that he's staying active because with all this stirrup in the heavyweight division, Deontay Wilder, in a sense, has to be licking his chops at the possibilities because there are mega money-making fights on the horizon. We're talking probably $30 million purses for these guys. Oh, yeah. You know, and, it, dude, if a if a Joshua versus Wilder fight happens on Showtime pay-per-view, I bet you it does a million buys in the United States, and I bet you that the money for that fight is insane. Oh, fuck yeah. I think it does 
that may be the biggest pay-per-view we've seen. You take Mayweather Pacquiao out of it. It's going to be up there. I would say it's it's got a chance to do 1.5. So May- Mayweather De La Hoya numbers. Yeah. 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 Well, that's going to be a fucking huge fight, man. It is. If done correctly and both of them are able to remain undefeated. Huge. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Yeah, because they both appeal to the casual. Right. You know what I mean? So the audience for that thing will be super hyped. And you can set Wilder, you know, you can put him in front of the camera and let him talk. Dude's dudes uh, got charisma. He's got charisma. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Um, so it's starting to sort itself out. So we just talked about Luis Ortiz vacating his, his, his WBA intercontinental title. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll square off against Malik Scott. November 12th, HBO, Monte Carlo. It'll be like a 4 o'clock tee-off time. Um, Ortiz versus Scott, I mean... That's a good way to put it, tee-off time. Because he's going to fucking tee off on <laughs> yeah. Scott. Yeah, yeah. Ortiz versus Scott. This is uh, probably a third-round knockout for Ortiz. But it'll be good because it's on a solid card. Mm-hmm. And it's on a fan favorites card. It's actually really good promoting because you put it in a neutral site like Monte Carlo, right? Right. Then you throw in Jamie McDonald's, got a big following in the UK. Steven Smith, I mean, he's part of the Smith clan, right? Jason Sosa is an up-and-coming tough fighter. Yeah. Then you have a possible future Hall of Famer in Arthur Abraham against one of the most famous UK fighters of the last 10 years is Martin Murray. Martin Murray. Has he fought in Monte Carlo more than one? Like, I think this is like his third fight in Monte Carlo. I know he fought Triple G in Monte Carlo. I think he thought, fought there before, too. I might be wrong. But but either way, you appeal to a German audience, yeah. a UK audience, and a U.S. audience because U.S. boxing fans are in love with Luis Ortiz. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, that fight sells. It, it You know, it's a shame that Ortiz doesn't have a better matchup, but let's be honest. He just signed with Hearn. Hearn's serving him up. And uh, you know a paycheck basically. Yeah, uh, it's it's a thanks for signing with me fight basically. So I, I don't really care. Ortiz to me is one of those guys that is right below what Triple G was. Just when he fights, I really don't give a fuck. I'm gonna watch because I enjoy <laughs> I enjoy watching this dude do his work, man. Uh he's he's an artist in the ring. Yeah, people sleep on him because he's so oafy. Yeah, you know what I, I mean. He's he's a technician. Yeah, he's the best. Pure boxer in the heavyweight division. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. Um, so, yeah, good solid card, man. Uh, Ortiz versus Malik Scott. So that rounds out the heavyweight division for now. Yeah. We'll, we'll wait and see what happens with Deontay Wilder. But here's a good thing, okay? Although these aren't the matchups that we wanted, we get three heavyweight title fights in one month. November 10th, Parker versus Ruiz for the WBO. November 26th, Joshua versus David Price for the IBF. And Klitschko versus Brown on December 10th. Sky box office, obviously Joshua's be a pay-per-view. Klitschko, Lucas Brown will be broadcast by HBO from Hamburg, Germany. And Uni Mas on tape delay. <laughs> but the Parker Ruiz fight will probably be over at like 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah, those fights are fucking early in New Zealand, boy. Yeah, man, Hobbit's getting down early, son, <laughs> you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, that's the heavyweight landscape right now, man. Yeah. Hey, look, I'm excited. You know, the, these fights aren't the greatest, but the picture kind of clears up a little bit, gets a little less foggy after these fights are over. So That's really all we wanted at this point. Right. Let's see what happens after this. Yeah. All right. Let's keep things moving on uh, news and notes. Gennady Golovkin versus Danny Jacobs. The fight that uh, Jacobs had petitioned the WBA for a 60-40 per split was denied. 75-25 established. But Loeffler did not insist on going straight to per split on this. Then negotiations broke out. Then uh, Danny Jacobs' extreme overinflated uh, self-worth got completely out of control. 
And this thing dragged on through negotiations. Apparently, there were points where Tom Loeffler wasn't able to get in touch with Al Heyman. No, you don't say. Then all of a sudden, the fight is announced that, oh, we're going to try to reach for uh, uh, February or March. And Jacob's Corner, citing not enough time to prepare for the fight. Meanwhile, Triple G isn't scheduled to report to Big Bear for training for the fight until tomorrow. So if the fight was agreed to this week, Danny Jacobs would have the same amount of time as Triple G. What has Danny Jacobs been doing? Are they like, we need a three-month camp because he's he's 200 pounds right now? Uh, probably. I mean, these guys, they, they only fight fucking two times a year. So with all that time off, <clears throat> and a lot of them take that time off, like off out of the fucking gym completely yeah. and just gain 25 pounds, yeah, I mean, that's going to fucking screw you. And you need 12 weeks then because you got to take three weeks to drop 10, 15 pounds before you can even start a legitimate camp. So, you know, look, man, I don't know why anybody ever fucking thought this fight was going to happen. And the fact that, you know, they're, they're pushing it and they're saying you know, possibility early 2017, that's what Loeffler's hoping for. I don't think so. You know, unless Loeffler is willing to give in, because it, it almost seems to me at this point in time that Heyman and Jacobs have the upper hand within these negotiations just based on the fact that Triple G has nowhere else to go. And I am not getting fed up with people ducking him, but uh, fans are starting to get fed up with it, watching him fight nobodies. So they're going to just sit and wait it out and hope Loeffler fucking comes back with his fucking head down to the table and goes, all right, motherfuckers, here's 65-35. Let's, let's, let's get this deal done. When Jacobs ain't worth, in reality, is probably worth like 10%. If we were going to take the value, the true value of the, the fighters. The actual market values. Yeah, it should be 90-10. I agree. I agree. And there's no tangible evidence, no uh, you know, Twitter buffoon out there could ever make an argument without the facts to present that these two guys are what they are. Their market values are what they are. There is no universe that exists. There's no concept of financial success that can be attached to the promoting of Danny Jacobs' career by Al Heyman and company. It has completely... he Dude, I, UCN Live published an article written by the president, Andrew uh, V. Kennedy, okay? Um, his, his, his comments appear on the next round with Steve Kim and Gabe Montoya, and he really, really kind of captured the entire perplexity, confusion that is the self-perception that Danny Jacobs has. Um, he speaks in a way that he should be valued, that people want, you know, should be appreciated, that he should be bigger, right? But he also says that it's all based off of potential. I mean, look, I have the potential to do this. I have the potential to do that. With the right opportunity, I could be this, but is demanding the reward without actually putting in the sacrifice and, and, and daring to be great, taking on the challenges. Dude, if he fights Gennady Golovkin for a million dollars, okay, let's just say Golovkin gets three million, Danny Jacobs gets one million. Mm-hmm. If he beats Gennady Golovkin, Danny Jacobs becomes a superstar. Oh, yeah. He becomes a superstar. Okay? He did the unthinkable. 
he accomplished something that nobody gave him an opportunity to accomplish. And then guess what happens? No, you won't be fucking groveling for an extra 2%. You will be dictating terms, and you will be making 3 or $4 million a fight. Well, they know that ain't happening. They know they, they know they ain't coming out on top of this motherfucker. I mean, look, it's a possibility. You're right. Any, anything can happen. Danny Jacobs lands a big shot. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's probably one of the three biggest punchers in the middleweight division, three or four. No doubt. So, you know, anything can happen. But, yeah, I think at the end of the day, uh, he knows he's going to lose. And when, when, once he does lose, his value goes down significantly. I mean, it, in the Al Heyman PBC world, He's still the best middleweight they have. But they don't have anybody else. And he even admitted, dude, in uh, uh, the president's article on, on, on UCN Live, I mean, he talks about, like, there's, he it says in an interview, I've already fought everybody. There's nobody else for me to fight. Right. The fact that he knows that, that there's nobody else for him to fight, why isn't he pressing to make fights outside of the PBC universe? I mean, dude, it doesn't make any sense. Just the loyalty to Al Heyman to me with these guys is out of fucking control. It's like they are fucking brainwashed. David Koresh. It, it really makes no sense. I mean, it's plain to see when you look at other fighters' careers that are doing much better than yours when they are promoted by somebody else and their careers are handled correctly. How can you not reflect and see your own career and, and go, hey, Al, what the fuck are you doing, man? This is bullshit. He even he see he said it after the fight, his last fight. Why am I not more popular? He's at least smart enough to know he's not fucking popular. <laughs> but I guess when he's done with the meeting, well, you know, with the meeting with Al, he walks out on a fucking cloud nine, dude. I don't. I, I just don't understand how it fucking works. It's a joke, a fucking joke. Well, and uh, the PBC cancer spreads yeah. because as a result of another, uh, uh, you know, PBC fighter just kind of. Living the PBC lifestyle, man. Um, what do we get? The cancer spreads, and Triple G will not fight again in 2016 now. Yep. When's the last time Triple G only fought twice in a year? I think it was 2012. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I'm not keeping my fingers crossed for this. No. At all. And I, it, dude, if I'm Loeffler, you know, I give it, a, I give it one more, uh, give it the old college try one more time. But uh, I'm not fucking wasting wasting my breath or my energy. On, on negotiating a fight that they don't want in the first place unless they're extremely overpaid for it. Well, there you have it. Yeah. Um, in, as a result of this fight falling to the wayside for now, December 10th, uh, HBO's slot will move from MSG to Omaha, Nebraska. And the native son, Bud Crawford, Terrence Crawford, will square off against TBA. Ah, you got to give Bob Arum credit, man. You got to copy the success of the PBC. Hey, they announced they put out fight posters that say versus TBA. I think Let's try it with Terrence and see what happens with his career. I'll give Bob credit. I think his fighters must have been must have been nipping at him for not getting enough fights because he fucking sure did go to work on the second half of this year and get all of his guys a fight. And you know he he delivered Lomachenko Walters, which is a great fight. We'll see who they pull for this. I mean, I you know. We were kind of looking around at the rankings, and it's just hard to see. Like, who, who, who you going to pull Troyanovsky for a unification? You know, there's just not that many guys out there. Orozco, you ain't going to get him because he's Golden Boy's undefeated 140 pounder. They're going to try to get him a chance at actually winning a belt. Yeah. So you know, where do you go? Where do they turn? It's it's probably going to be a fucking stiff. 
It really probably is. <laughs> it's probably going to be as stiff. Look, man, if there's one fighter to me that makes the most sense, if they're look, it, I guess in Omaha, Nebraska, it doesn't really matter. His people are going to come out. Right. You know what I mean? So I guess there's nobody that who, makes sense. I, I was trying to figure out. I can't remember who. Tried to make sense of it. Yeah. Who, who promotes Granados, but I, I can't remember. Um, but, I mean, that's a possibility, too. Who knows, man? Yeah. Adrian Brunner? Fuck no. What's Adrian Brunner doing these days? Brunner. Oh, he's uh, choking waitresses, I think. Who? Oh, Albert Hainsworth style. Yeah. You, when you leave the bowling alley and you beat the shit out of somebody, you got to go choke a waitress at Denny's yeah, or wherever. Let's, let's rob this fool and let's go <laughs> choke that bitch. Get out of here, dude. Dude, that fucking guy, man. Unbelievable. He just can't fucking... He, he, <laughs> plays the fucking the world on instagram like he's counts down his own fucking suicide which is to me is dude you should be fucking i mean you you, you cry wolf with suicide shit you're dude you're, you don't fucking play around like that and two days later you're on fucking snapchat video and mayweather's bugatti talking about we're gonna get this money and we're gonna get them o's. it's like what the fuck man this guy is unbelievably unbelievably fucking lost yeah he is just lost man he is a runaway train i actually do think he probably is fucking suicidal <laughs> I, I mean i don't i think I don't, he, he I was don't know kidding why i'm laughing but he was kidding like he wasn't going to fucking do it but yeah. i really do think deep down he probably does have some suicide su- suicidal thoughts oh, dude i just to me he's like a cartoon character i don't even like view him as a real person he's got like 19 kids now doesn't he <laughs> Uh, he, he's Antonio ra- Cromartie, eat your heart out. He's fucking raced to the top of that list. Before he's 26. Jesus Christ. Man. Oh, man. All his baby mamas love him. <laughs> yeah. I doubt it. <laughs> well, yeah, for the free handouts. They've all been chokeslammed, maybe. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, so anyways, back to Terrence Crawford. Um, December 10th, Omaha, Nebraska, HBO. He will defend his unified WBC and WBO Jr. welterweight title. All right, Ben, more fights announced, okay? January 28th, 2017, on Showtime from the MGM Grand Garden Arena, Las Vegas, Nevada. The rematch, Carl Frampton, the Jackal, squaring off against Leo Santa Cruz. Frampton versus Santa Cruz, part two, for a rematch of the WBA featherweight title fight that saw uh, Carl Frampton come to, in my eyes, anyways, Vin, a rather, rather unanimous decision. Yeah, I mean, look, it was close, but it wasn't ever in danger for Frampton. I didn't think either. No. You know, I guess you got to give Santa Cruz the rematch. He's a, he's a guy that had that belt for a while, and there, uh, apparently there was a rematch clause that we heard about after the fight. I mean, who knows if it was real or not. But either way, it, take what we've been getting fight-wise. I mean, this is going to be – this is one of the five, six best fights of this year. I'll take it again. Did, did I really want it right away? No, but it also could lead to, let's say, fucking Santa Cruz sneaks out a, a, a split decision win here. I mean, this lines up for, you know, what could be a very, very good trilogy, which boxing needs one of those right now. It does. And if we get a quality, look, it won't be a trilogy or a quality trilogy unless part two is quality. Yeah, true. Here's what I've learned about Carl Frampton. Okay, look, we know how supremely gifted he is as a classical boxer. Mm-hmm. Right, compact package, extremely powerful. Um, really controlled this fight, okay? Because Leo Santa Cruz is kind of a one-trick pony. But what I've learned about Carl Frampton is this: you fight Carl Frampton once, may take him a little while to figure you out. You fight Carl Frampton twice, and you get knocked out. Now, there's very few fighters in boxing today 
that if they beat you the first time and you fight them the second time will improve upon the first result. Right. Okay, unless it's against a shot fighter. Right. And by the time they fight him the second time, like example, Kovalev Pascal too. Right. You know, we knew Kovalev was kind of shot after the first fight. Or, or or at least Kovalev sent him into being shot. Right, right, right. Um, Carl Frampton strikes me as the kind of fighter, and to me, he has proven that he is always adapting, always learning in the ring, and I don't think that there's anything within the Leo Santa Cruz toolbox, nothing I've ever seen in his career, and I don't think it's going to change now because he didn't change his team. He doesn't have the tools to put forth more than a valiant effort in this fight. Carl Frampton has him figured out and decided, and he knocks out Leo Santa Cruz in this fight. That 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 stumble, that weeble wobble that we saw in the first fight, Frampton ends it. Uh, look, I'm, I'm not going to argue with that. I, I think there's a very, very good possibility that that happens for just the same reasons that you just stated. Frampton is just one of those fighters that, a, a lot of times I don't think gets enough credit for being as smart of a fighter as he is. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the 10 smartest fighters out there right now as far as managing a fight, mm-hmm. especially when you're a guy that pretty much comes into the ring every time as the smaller guy. Mm-hmm. So you have to utilize supreme skill to win a fight, and he does that. I don't think he gets enough fucking credit for as good as he is. Uh, he's starting to. And, you know, we've talked about this. We've talked about Frampton for years now. And, you know, we said that he could come to America and possibly, you know, in a fucking perfect world, be a a crossover star because he's got that. He brings that crowd with him from the UK. He kind of has that. You know, he's he's got charisma as a as as a guy on the mic outside of the ring. He lost that opportunity when he signed with Al Heyman. He did. When he he, left Eddie Hearn, that was it. He did. You know, who knows what Eddie would have done with his career? I'm sure. Based on what he's done with everybody's career, he'd be better off. There'd be at least a hype train behind it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there sure shit would be that. Yeah. We know that would be there. Look, man, I think it's a great fight. Um, I do, too. And, and the way the card rounded out on, uh, you know, with the lead-in fight. Oh, dude, this lead-in. Then. Yeah. You can't ask for a better one. Come on. Zlati v, Garcia, v. Mikey Garcia. I yeah. mean, that's a hell of a fight. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Look, uh, I've said that, you know, Zlati Cannon is the scariest fighter at that weight. Mikey Garcia is probably the best boxer, pure boxer at that weight. Him and Crawford. Uh, you know, this is a fucking perfect, you know, styles. They say styles make fights. I think this is going to be a great fight. Oh, man. Uh, Garcia is going to be in for it in this one. You think so? Yeah, but Garcia's Mikey Garcia has always, and, and look, he's got to show us that he can still do it, but he is always always excelled against pressure fighters. Yeah. I mean, dude, he he invites it. Zlatikanen's going to have to come in. He's going to have to fight at angles. He's going to have to pick his approach shots, and he's going to have to get inside the pocket and hope that Garcia's just lost a step and is as doughy as he looked in his last fight because that fight wasn't at 135 pounds. No. So he's coming down to his first fight at 135 pounds since he left boxing. Yeah. So... To me, yeah, there's a huge discrepancy in height, okay? There's a huge discrepancy in professional experience. Dejan Zlatikinen is, I don't know, man. I, I guess you can compare him to Triple G. He is a grinder. He is an attacker. He brings it a nonstop onslaught. It's going to be interesting to watch Mikey Garcia, who I'm usually bored by his fights until he knocks the guy out. Right. Because it's usually boring until the moment he ends up knocking him out. Right. I am 
extremely curious. I know already what's going to happen in Frampton Santa Cruz in my heart. Yeah. That rematch to me is signed and sealed. I just think that uh, what I said before is Latikanen versus Mikey Garcia. It's going to be really interesting to watch Mikey Garcia fend off this maniac. Yeah. I mean, look, we've seen Mikey Garcia get hurt by guys in smaller weight classes. I mean, he's been dropped by Rocky Martinez. So we've seen him down in his career. Uh, Zlatikanen's got a fucking huge left hand. Now, I think in order for Zlatikanen to be successful, just he cannot fucking, he cannot come in and throw the one shot, which we've seen him do at times. He gets a little left hand happy, and that he just comes in and leads with that left and doesn't really work his way in. But, man, yeah, this uh, to me, this is a perfect style matchup where Zlatikanen will bring the best out of Garcia. Uh, you know, it's it's a it's a tough fight. I'd say I give Garcia a slight advantage now, right now, but uh, I, I wouldn't make a pick. I, I'm not ready to. <laughs> you know, all of our opinions about the PBC and Al Heyman aside, look, give credit where credit is due. Whoever made and consummated this, if it was mandatory rematch clauses, if it was a desperation, and uh, you know, a last, uh, you know, a puncher's chance to win, you know, because at this point, that's what the PBC has. It's a puncher's chance to win. Right. They got to put all their fucking cards on the deck. Oh, they do. They don't have a fucking choice now. No, they're all in. Okay. And it seems that they're making this effort here because I'll tell you what, I know this is in 2017 and we really don't know what's coming in 2017 yet. Right. But for fights announced to this state, this is the best fight card that's been announced so far this year yeah and you got to think the return of wilder is not too far behind that for the pbc it makes sense and then if they're going to make garcia versus keith thurman right after that then you have you know a little murderer's row of pbc stars january february march they delivered a big fight which look if if the pbc once a month delivered a card like this fuck they'd be in so much better shape oh absolutely but it's the adversarial fucking attitude like you don't know shit right we're gonna keep doing what we're doing because we got it figured out. Nope. No, you don't. Hopefully um, they're fucking learning. I think they might be. Maybe. Maybe. Let's pump the brakes because <laughs> the next fight we're going to talk about, um, which will happen this year, next month, November 12th, the PBC on Spike from Temple University, Philadelphia's native son, DSG, ooh, Swift Garcia, taking on not Tom Bob Anderson, Ben. No. It's not dsg versus tba it's not even who i thought it was first when i heard this come across the wire no it's not sammy uh, vasquez right no not sammy vasquez but samuel vargas francisco vargas no not francisco vargas none of the vargases that have ever (laughs) fought in a meaningful fight before this is the vargas that was knocked out by the guy that danny garcia said he needed to pay his dues before he got a shot at DSG. <laughs> this fucking guy, man. He is the biggest joke in boxing right now. Amir Khan's out of the sport. There you go. Danny Danny Garcia is the man right now. This fucking guy, you know, b- between him and his father and the shit that they pull and listening to his father try to justify because Danny can't speak English or or Spanish. We, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we it just don't even bother putting the fucking guy on the mic, dude. So his dad speaks for him, and he muddies the waters with just ignorant fucking, I mean, the shit's hilarious. Absolutely fucking hilarious. (laughs) I mean, I I enjoy watching videos of him 
go on fucking spouts. The last one was on, you know, how, how they're going to beat Keith Thurman and how right. Thurman ain't never fought a welterweight like it, like them. But I know what you're saying. It's, it, it's the impact his dad has had on his fucking career. He just, fuck, yeah, people, unfortunately for Danny Garcia, his dad fucking brings him down about five more notches when he was already on the lowest fucking rungs <laughs> of the respect ladder in the fucking sport. It's all about the paper. I mean, I, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You They're know, missing out on the big paper. Keep keep cashing them $1.2 million checks. Go ahead. I don't know, man. Look, Team DSG is trying to paint this as a charity event, that uh, $10 from every ticket that's sold will go into the canned food drive in Philadelphia. That's all fine and good, right? But it seems to me like charity by people that seek fame, and Danny Garcia is a guy whose entire career – and foundation is built off of the Floyd Mayweather model, there's not a gracious bone in the body of a guy who seeks 100% self-fulfillment and greed like Danny Garcia. And then you have a half-mongoloid fucking crackhead for a father, okay, (laughs) who, like you said, he goes out there and completely embarrasses his son, but his son just kind (laughs) of, he just giggles and can't see the damage that's being done. So what do they do? They try to hide this shit fest Fucking Danny Garcia, whose WBC welterweight title was supposed to go to a tournament, then magically appeared in a fight against the shopworn Robert Guerrero that he struggled against, is masking his disgrace for another fucking cherry pick. Rod Salka 2.0. Oh, yeah. Right here, masking it behind a fucking charity. That sounds. It's pathetic. very familiar. It's fucking pathetic. It's horrible. Yeah, it's pathetic. It's horrible. And I, I you know, they they're saying that, you know, this all leads to Thurman in March of next year. So you know, don't bitch too much because you're gonna get what you want. You guys have kind of. I'm a paying fucking customer. Yeah. I'll bitch if I want. Fuck fucking a right. We'll bitch, especially with the way that he's handled his last the last two years of his career, where he thinks because he beat fucking Amir Khan. And Lucas Matisse in the same fucking year that that bought that bought him an eternity of free passes. We in the now sport. know who Amir Khan and Lucas Matisse kind of really were. They were what? a little overhyped. Wow. Amir Khan is a fucking nobody in the sport right yeah. now. He's a blowhard. And Lucas Matisse is basically out of the sport, pending a potential return that we've heard about. You know, whispers about. We don't fucking know anything yet. I, he's just look Garcia. You know, I you've ruined it. You've ruined yourself so much in my mind, and 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 Thurman too. That fight to me could have been so much bigger had it just been done in a immedi- timely fashion. Immediately, it, that should be now. That should be this fight. I agree. But even waiting six months for it to me is just. It should have really. You know, I I lump Thurman in with this and. He frustrates me, but not nearly fucking on the any level near Garcia. But the, you put the two of them together, and it just kind of fucking stinks. Even though it'll be a fight that we've been waiting for, yeah, it just not, it doesn't have what it should have. Oh, I mean, Keith Thurman's career has been managed in much the same way, and he's kind of the the Bob Marley version of Danny Garcia. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he gets away with a lot of his shit because the stuff that he does in his free time is kind of irrelevant, and it's actually kind of a look. I believe that he works out all the time. He's, he's always in good shape. Right. He's always a little skinny Keith Thurman with his ponytail and 
fucking weird body hair. <laughs> you know, but it's I think Keith Thurman is much more likable because one, he doesn't have a fucking you know, he's not walking down the aisle with fucking Virgil or the fucking pallbearer. You know what I mean? Right. With a fucking WWF fucking escort. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Like he doesn't so he he's kinda out there in oblivion. People probably assume he's burning some nag champa and token a bull. <laughs> he's definitely doing that. You know what I mean? Oh, and, and there's D- no doubt about it. And D- DSG's cutting fucking fucking rap EPs with his twins with his twin sisters, and his dad's fucking banging lines, fucking Tony Montana style off of a glass mirror. As he's long dicking hoes. Don't forget that Tyrone style. <laughs> oh man. You know, look, I know I got a foul mouth for my time in the military. I feel like, you know, just conditioned to cuss all the time. Yeah. DSG really brings out the uh, curse words in the Ken man. Yeah, even when you talk about DSG, it's like, just like, fuck. Dude, my brain just kind of gets retarded for a minute. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just fucking, it's sync. You know, like, you say DSG and everything just kind of shuts down. <laughs> oh, man. Well, look, here's the great thing about November 12th. It'll start with a Luis Ortiz heavyweight fight from Monte Carlo at 4 o'clock on HBO. And then it's time for the refreshments and the barbecue, Vin, because later on that night, 9 o'clock, goes live. And plus two hours of pre-fight footage with ranked fighters on that. Oh. UFC 205 from Madison Square Garden. This is promoting 101. The Irishman, Madison Square Garden, the debut of the UFC. In New York City, taking on a ranked, popular, dangerous Puerto Rican fighter. We've seen what Miguel Cotto does in bringing Puerto Ricans in to watch fights. You and I were there. Cotto versus Martinez, still one of the loudest crowds I've ever heard in my entire life when he dropped Martinez in the first round. Absolutely. They'll be in full effect. It'll be rowdy. They'll be singing. They'll be chanting. And Danny Garcia gets no play because I still, I mean it. I agree with some of our followers on Twitter and supporters of the show. Boycott this fucking fight. Yeah. This guy's a hack. He's a fraud. He's a charlatan. And if you're okay with him making money off of your dime for this absolutely ridiculous shit show, you probably purchased DSG clothing, which means you should be dropped into a tar pit. <laughs> hey, I ain't fucking arguing with that. If you... If you have purchased a anything DSG, uh, you deserve to be shot in the head. Uh, just execution style. Flogged in the town square. <laughs> I agree. Stoned to death. I'm down with that, yeah. too. I mean, whatever. Just tortured. Yeah. Pick your method. Right. Um, yeah, man. Look, November 12th, UFC 205. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. The, I, week, the week before? Come on. McGregor Alvarez is a fucking huge fight. Eddie, Eddie Alvarez is a monster. It's a huge fight. Yes. Um, and it'll be an exciting night. Absolutely. I'm I'm looking forward to UFC 205 <laughs> more than any fight in boxing right now today. There you have it folks. Right. One of uh one of boxing's talking heads, Vin- yeah. Vince Cummings, has just came out of the closet and said what all of you are thinking. Right. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I agree with you. I'm thinking the same thing. Yeah. Um yeah, nestle that in. Danny Garcia falls to the wayside. Do not DVR, do not contribute to the TV ratings whatsoever. It'll be over in two rounds. Danny Garcia will win by knockout. There you go. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. He's still got 11 toes. I don't need the Biff Tannen fucking book from Back to the Future 2 to know that. <laughs> the sports almanac. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, more fight announcements. Okay, so we heard that Jamal Charlo versus Julian Williams was targeted for December 10th. Mm-hmm. People were talking about Vegas, and everybody was like, okay, what could you possibly put on, on this card as a co-feature that would warrant this fight being held in Vegas? Well, then it's not going to be in Vegas. They're going to take this guy from Houston, and they're going to take this guy from Philadelphia. And Richard Schaefer announces December 10th from the campus of the University of Southern California. The Trojans will host Jermall Charlo versus Julian Williams. Richard Schaefer, promoter extraordinaire. <laughs> yeah, the snake is back. Huh? Look, I, I, I don't think the venue is that bad of a choice, to be honest. No? You, you think about it at, you know, it's on a college campus. You, you've, you can build that up and at least get, you know, more kids on a college campus convinced to go to a fight than you would out in wherever you'd fight, Thomas and Mack Center, wherever the fuck you'd try to put it. Anywhere else in Vegas. They put a big Los Angeles fighter in Mares on the undercard. Yeah. They'll sell tickets for this fight. I, 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 you know, I'm just thinking that it, they thought outside of the box a little bit with this venue, and it might, it might might work out. Well, yeah, because none of these guys outside of Mares is known by anybody. No. And I don't think anybody's waiting in line to purchase tickets to an Abner Mares headline fight. You know what I mean? I mean, this isn't Leo Santa Cruz's, you know, now I'm going to take this guy with a big name that's never fought anybody who's has never been worth a shit above 118 pounds and, you know, just outmatch him. Right. Um, Jesus Quajar versus <laughs> Abner Mares joins the party. It's supposed to happen earlier this year. I think this will be a good action fight. I think, again, Abner Mares is way too small. Jesus Quajar is way too big and way too long. Punches way too hard. I would not be surprised if this is the fight, though, Vin. Uh, that Abner Mares kind of falls off the proverbial cliff. I, I think he's already fallen off that cliff. I mean, I, yeah, I think we've seen that in the last couple fights with him. It's just a guy that just kind of seems like his better days are behind him at a fight. What is he, 28, 29 years old? He's not old. I think he's at least you know, 20, 58 or uh, you know, 100, <laughs> but he's old. Yeah. He is, and in boxing years, he's, he's, he's definitely old. Um, Jamal Charlo versus Julian Williams does it for me. Venue, whatever. Uh, okay, yeah. Theoretically, this could look really good, but a eh, little bit of uh, past uh, recent history of the PBC tells me that this will be another piss poor location chosen for the fight. Honestly, you think so? I don't know. They'll look, give away plenty of tickets to college kids that'll fill that fine. fucking place up. Yeah, they'll the, fill it up with freebies, dude. Trust me. When I was a freshman in college, man, you give I got a college kid something free. They'll fucking go. I signed up for a credit card on campus my freshman year at University of South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And what did I receive in return then? Free tickets to WCW Monday Nitro. Well, that's a fucking <laughs> bargain, buddy. Yes, sir. $500 in debt. Jackpot. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that, uh, dude, I, I, I will say this, though. Did, that that did, was one of the best Nitros I've ever been to. I mean, did Ric Flair perform? Uh, No. But uh, I was wearing my Jericho-holics t-shirt, and uh, Chris, Chris Jericho was in the main event. There you go. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, college campuses, PBC, WCW, <laughs> two things that one failed, one is about to fail. <laughs> oh, real quick, for all uh, maybe the two or three people that listen to the show that are wrestling fans, did you see Goldberg's back? I did. I actually saw it on Twitter, people talking about it, so I flipped over to fucking Raw. <laughs> I sat there and watched him stalk around the ring for like five minutes, and I was like, Did All you right. see his entrance, though? 
Yeah, yeah, I did. Did uh, it give you chills like the old days, then? No, not at all. Really? No. Oh, dude, I was like a fucking seventeen-year-old all over again. I thought that it shit. looked a little bit fucking cheesy, and I, I've always thought Goldberg is cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> Quantifying levels of cheesiness when we're talking about fucking physical acting. Right. <laughs> oh, dude, it was awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. He doesn't look a day over 50. Hey, look, I saw it and I put it on because uh, you know, Goldberg was the man. What's more ridiculous, though? Goldberg's return in uh, the WWE or Richard Schaefer's return to professional boxing as the promoter for Charlo versus J-Rock? I don't know how the fucking guy got a license, Ken. I really don't understand it. You try to take apart a business, you are obvious, obviously prove that you're a fucking crook. And hey, boxing's got plenty of room for crooks, baby. Yeah, they do. <laughs> There's a new one born every day. Yeah. Here's an interesting question I would pose, and maybe I will pose it myself, to the trainer of J-Rock, Julian Williams, the bread man. Mm-hmm. He's always been a level-headed guy for the most part. Um, you know, I, I like most. I, I like and agree with most of what he says in his mail. Uh, you know, his mailbag. He's he's revered in the sport as one of the more intellectual uh, trainers in the sport, cerebral trainers in the sport. The I would like to ask the bread man this. How do you feel about Julian Williams' fight? Albeit a mandatory challenge for his first world title being promoted by a guy like Richard Schaefer. I would love to hear what he has to say about that. I would. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, I hope he wouldn't get defensive like he did early on about defending the PBC. In all all due respect. He still does. He still does a little bit. In all due respect to the bread man, okay? And what he does in this sport professionally, I, I, I would like to know because when you have respect for somebody in the sport, which are very few people in this sport that you can say, I respect that guy. Right. I respect the brand. I respect his opinions. Exactly. Always. That being, and, and, and the fact that you and I have been two of the most vocal promoters of J Rock Williams in the boxing podcast universe. I would venture to say you and I have shared Julian Williams career, his rise and brought more fans to him than any other boxing podcast because I, we have talked about him for three years nonstop. Yeah, yeah. I think he's been all, he was probably in one of the first five or six shows we did. I'm just I'm curious because to me it just it rubs me Richard Schaefer that dick rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> Come on, you know, like uh, old Dick's rhubarb rubbing on you, <laughs> dude. Oh man, it just it's curious to me. But you know what I mean? Look. All it, it it's kind of like this in the PBC. You're either on the bus <laughs> or you're off the bus. I think everybody's pretty much off the bus. Uh, all hands on deck. Richard Schaefer coming to the rescue. Yeah, all good right. try. Anyways, USC hosts uh, Jamal Charlo versus Julian Williams. Really looking forward to that main event. I I really don't care about the uh, uh, Abner Mars being thrown on there to s- sell tickets because Quayar is is he's just too much of a match for Abner Mars. I agree. Way too big. Way too strong. All right, a little treat for boxing fans. Uh, this is a diehard fight fans fight. Two guys that like to bring it. Two guys that may be on the skill level side. I mean, we're talking about a division that possesses the skill levels of Andre Ward and Sergey Kovalev. So it's, right. it's kind of unfair to compare them to the elite of the division. Mm-hmm. These guys are kind of middle of the road when it comes to skill. But when it comes to heart, power, wanting to put on an action fight, you could not have paired two better light heavyweights that are hungry that want to get their title shot. Vyacheslav Sobranski versus Sullivan Brer, HBO Latino, Fantasy Springs Casino, I'm assuming to be announced by Steve Kim, Doug Fisher, and Beto Duran. That sounds like the team that goes Obviously, to India. Yep, yep. 
I think that this fight, HBO Latino triple header, will find out who the other fights are. Shabransky versus Barrera. This is a diehard fight fans fight. That's a fucking home run for HBO Latino, man. Yeah, I, I saw this fight announced yesterday, and I said, you know what? I sent out a tweet. I said, fuck the, the top 1% of boxing. Fuck them. I would rather watch guys like Barrera and Shabransky, who I know in this fight are two fucking hungry guys that haven't had their taste of fucking the 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 almighty dollar fucking taining their career yet so they're fucking hungry and these guys will bring it and this will be a great fight i don't i have a doubt in my mind that this will be a great fight so shabransky turning down the meager payday that andre ward wanted to throw him that 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 you know thanks for throwing me a bone andre yeah shabransky turned it down because shabransky's on a path and, and and let's be realistic for as aggressive as he is we've seen him be dropped we've seen him troubled early in fights now he's very flawed always comes back he's super aggressive he's got good power um he's a non-stop maniac in the ring let's be honest dude turn down that meager payday because what it does for you as far as the returns let's say andre ward beats sergey kovalev shabransky could at some point become a mandatory for andre ward if, yeah. he's, if he stays at 175 right 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 so if shabransky knocks out sullivan barrera which is a possibility which is a very good possibility Anything can happen in a Shabransky fight. We thought that Uneski Gonzalez was going to give him fits. He put up a good fight, but Shabransky controlled yes, he did. that entire fight. If he knocks out Sullivan Barrera, his fucking bargaining chip just became enormous. Oh, yeah. He can then ask for twice as much as Andre Ward wanted to toss him as a disrespectful sign that you're a schlep that I'll walk through on my way to Kovalev. Right. The guy that, that took you the distance, uh, I fucking blasted out. So where you want to go with that? I mean, that obviously legitimizes Shabransky. Uh, either one of the winner of this fight is thrown right back up into the top of the conversation with who gets a shot. It's, an, it's not an eliminator. But it is. But it is. Yeah, it, it most certainly is. It doesn't have that title, but it is. I, I, I fucking love this fight. Uh, you know, whether they load the undercard or not, who who knows who they put on there? But dude, this this is a can't miss fight, and it's one of them fights where you can sit down and just watch because there's no you're not going to hear any bullshit leading up to this fight. It's just it's just a fight, and it will be it will be a great fight. And those are the fucking type of fights that boxing needs more of. It does, yeah. I'm looking forward to it too. December sixteenth, HBO Latino, Shabransky versus Barrera. All right, so December seventeenth. Was looking like we were going to get Orlando Salido versus Takmira, and what would have to automatically be considered a fight of the year candidate before the fight even happens because Orlando Salido is either in the fight of the year every year or he is in a candidate for fight of the year every year. But he injured his back, yeah. apparently doing manual labor. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, Got to tend to the farm in the offseason, man. Jesus Christ, man. Don't you have enough money? See, look, most people might visualize this as Orlando Salido, like tossing hay bales in a barn or something like that, and that's how he threw out his back. Me, Orlando Salido, what I know about this guy, I bet you Orlando Salido threw out his back because the donkey couldn't get the job done, so he hit him with a left hook, dropped him to the ground, and put the plow (laughs) over his shoulder and was tilling the field, pulling the plow. That's fucking perfect. You know what I mean? I don't doubt it, man. While throwing shadow punches. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks that that fucking happened. It really does. Because that was kind of the fight to save the end of what's been a shitty 2016 for boxing. You looked at that and you went, 
maybe this fucking fight will save the year. Now you don't get it, and that's all right. Yeah, it's schedule it's not, filled out. Yeah, it's not the end of the fucking world. At the beginning of the week, it, it'll happen eventually. That fight, they're they're gonna make that fight. Of course. Yeah. Why not? Um, in its place, the uh, the Bon Voyage, and it's gonna take place at the Forum as well. Bernard Hopkins saying goodbye to boxing. Well, apparently, unless he wins and then becomes a mandatory. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, squares off against Joe Smith Jr., light heavyweights from the forum. I HBO. Got, I got mixed feelings about this fight, man, because you know I love Bernard Hopkins. He's he's one of my you know after the retirement of Evander Holyfield, Bernard Hopkins became my favorite fighter as a just as a fan. And up until he was forty four years old, he probably still was my favorite fighter. I just don't know if we need to see him in the ring at fifty two, man. I, I I was watching video of him working out. He looks so fucking slow, man. <laughs> I mean, he looks like he's moving underwater. I mean, it's just so methodical. And Joe Smith is. I, here's what I hate. Here's what I'm going to hate to say is Joe Smith is probably you know. I, let's not overrate what Joe Smith is just because of what he did to Fonfara, but he obviously has top notch power. I have a bad feeling that Bernard's going to get dropped by a guy that. You know, does he, did he really need to fight one more time against Joe Smith and get knocked out? Yeah, it's not, like the not, end of Tyson's career. Right, it's not going to taint his career or anything, but I don't want to fucking see that. You know, neither do I. I yeah, you know, whatever. I'll watch. Yeah, but hopefully, it's not the. Uh, if there's one fighter right now, whether he's 52 or not, a guy that kind of did it his own way in the sport and deserves every fight fan's respect for what he's done in his career, that's why you'll be watching. Yeah, and I think you're still a little butthurt from the way that Sergio Martinez's career ended. Let's be honest. I mean, <laughs> other than other than B-Hop, Sergio's been your favorite fighter, right? Yeah, Sergio was my cash cow gambling, man. <laughs> that's what made me love him. I've never seen you, a man that's pretty stoic, always always uh, talking jive, more upset and on the verge of tears than you were as we were lost walking in circles around Madison Square Garden <laughs> trying to find our hotel that was right across the street. Yeah, that was a sad day. It was a sad day in the life of me. I'll say that. It was just this fucking walk of depression. I was like, Finn, the hotel's right there. I, dude, I had to walk it <laughs> off, Ken. All right. Oh, and then remember we went to the, that little diner in the downstairs of the hotel? Ugh. Oh, and they gave us, like, fucking diarrhea on a, on a fried rat. Oh, dried, <laughs> dried out corned beef that had been under a fucking heat lamp for, like, four hours probably. <laughs> four hours and two days. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, oh it was disgusting. All right, let's uh, wind this thing down. IBF orders Richard Kami versus Dennis Shavikov in an eliminator to fight Robert Easter Jr. Jesus, Kami's going to have a Kami Easter 2 is coming quick, huh? Yeah, uh, except Dennis Shavikov is going to give Richard Kami, or sorry, Kome. Kome. Rigondia. Um, he's going to give him a hell of a fight, dude. Shavikov's a grinder. Yeah, nobody wants to fight Shavikov no. for that fucking reason. Yeah. He, he's going to make you work your ass off. Uh, I think Kami wins this fight. He's the better fighter. But it's going to be one hell of a fight. It's Dude, going to be a tough, tough fight for him. I think the probably, if you were to make a fight in the 135-pound division, if you were like, okay, take 135, take lightweight, and pick me the matchup that gives you the best potential for a fight of the year, I'm picking Dennis Shavikov versus Dejan Zlatikinen. Oh, fuck yeah. That is the fight you won at 135 for a blood and guts fight of the year. You might eventually get it because they might both of them might kind of fall back to the five, six, seven range, and they're going to have to fight their way back. That may be a matchup we see next year. Yeah. Uh, you know what, man? Look, I, I, I love me some Robert Easter. I really, really hope 
he knows how good he is, and that gives him the confidence to fight the best for his entire career. Because this guy could be super special if he takes the path of most resistance. Yeah, and fuck, if you lose, who fucking cares? Nobody. No, come back and win some more. <laughs> it's not that fucking difficult. Van, that's a novel concept. We right. should patent that. You should. Um, last thing, Lucas Matisse plans to return to welterweight in 2017. After seeing his orbital uh, bone collapse around his eye from a right hand from Victor Postal, do you want to see one of your favorite fighters of the last five years come back? No, nah, I, I really don't need good? to see it. Yeah, I'm good, man. I, I think Provodnikov kind of took the fight out. No, I want to say took the fight out of him, but that fight took a lot out of him, and he's been in some tough fights. Yes. The Molina fight was tough. He's always been in fights that, you know, if you want to count mileage, his, his fucking ticker was going a little faster in the fights that he's been in. Yeah, I mean, honestly, my, my last memory of Lucas Matisse, whether he returns um, and is successful or he decides to just hang it up, you know, maybe he gets a month into camp and realizes, oh, shit, I got blurry vision and my joints hurt. Right. You know what I mean? My last memory is going to be going up to the turning zone and watching Matisse Provodnikov live because that's probably the best fight I've ever seen live. Yeah, and the great seats. That's yeah. a great venue. I love that venue for fights. I mean, it's out in the middle of fucking nowhere. And you you rarely ever get good fights there. There's always a few there every year, but yeah, man, that that was a great fight and, and great you, atmosphere. Yeah, and you'll remember him picking Provodnikov apart for seven rounds, and then Provodnikov just fucking. bringing the will of the world on him. Oh my god, man! Hell of a fight. He fucking held on in the twelfth. I'll have to go back and watch it. Yeah, you know he was hurt bad late in that fight. Oh, he was. Yeah, he definitely was, man. But the dude just uh. The last that photo, I will always have it in my in my photo library, man. Of of Matisse and Provodnikov embracing at the end of that fight, and they look like okay. Uh, the only thing keeping me up right now is uh, is is this hug because I just put everything into the ring. What would be better in early two thousand seventeen than Provodnikov and Matisse return to the ring to fight again? I think that that would be a 100% guaranteed retirement fight for both of them. Uh, well, they could cash out on it because they'd be able to, that would be a... Return to the turning stone. Yeah, that'd be a top of the line or top of the card fight on Showtime or HBO, wherever it went. I think everything around it is logical enough for Oscar De La Hoya to pull off because he, he has pulled off this kind of stuff before. Mm-hmm. I hear two fighters over the last year, okay, since both of their losses that have been talking out of both sides of their mouth. Oh yeah. Both seem reluctant to return to the ring. Oh, I'll return to the ring for the you know for Never the right a good fight. thing. Never a good no, thing. No, because you end up getting, you know, fucking Cotto Marquez light. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the J V version of of Cotto Marquez. It's like, okay, just shut the fuck up. Marquez, we get it. You're not going to one fifty. Right. Cotto, we get it. You're not going anywhere below one fifty. So stop fucking talking. And nobody really cares if you two fight Anyways, yeah. it leads nowhere. You'd watch. Does not, yeah, uh, I definitely would watch, but it does nothing. I mean, both of them are Hall of Famers already, so yeah. what the fuck? Cotto's not going to fight till next year? Of course he isn't. Darn. Yeah. Oh. Well, dude, Shucks. when your guaranteed purse is $17 million, you can only afford to fight once a year. At least Rock Nation can. That has got to be the worst contract in boxing right there. Well, Has to be. Yuri Orcus Gamboa's contract was actually, I think about it, about what it did to his career, and you can compare it to that. But the financial benefits of it was, look, 50 Cent's the one that said, hey, sign with me, and I'll give you, I'll pay you every month. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But get putting fighters on salary. Yeah, he did. He made him a full-time employee, except he didn't have to fight. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking believable. <laughs> Pretty easy to imagine why he went bankrupt. Yeah. Pretty fucking easy. That's, that's or, or at least one of his companies. I can't make a fight for you, but I'll keep paying for you. Yeah, man. What do you need? Yeah. 25K a month. Is that good? Surprised he wasn't as successful as Al Heyman with that kind of philosophy. And <laughs> I would venture to say 50 Cent and Al Heyman probably have worked together in the past. Oh, you fucking know it. You don't think he, you don't think he did a uh, 50 Cent tour at some point? You don't think Al Heyman's got a cut of vitamin water? <laughs> <laughs> How could you, honestly, though, how could you be broke if you pretty much were the first big investor into vitamin water? You have to be a complete fucking and utter moron. You have to put people like Yuri Gamboa on a monthly salary. <laughs> That's how. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, let's wrap it up. Yeah. Just leave it at that. Yep. All right, so we will be back next week, Vin, to preview Manny Pacquiao versus Jesse Vargas. All the haters, hate all you want. Come at me on Twitter at Kenny Keith Jr. and tell me how fucking horrible this fight is and how done you are with Manny Pacquiao because this is my and I said it before Vin this is my sleeper candidate for fight of the year right I think here. I think it's going to be a good one too and I think people are sleeping on Vargas big time yeah what did he say after before his last fight I am tired of people accusing me of eking out fucking hometown discounts guess who goes for it now Jesse Vargas. Guess who knows what he needs to do if he wants to make a name for himself in the sport. I still think Pacquiao knocks him out in the ninth or tenth round. Yeah. And, and maybe calls it quit in the wakes of that knockout. I wouldn't be surprised to see one of them Vargas overhand rights drop Manny Pacquiao at some point, though. Well, that's why Manny Pacquiao's had legendary nights, because yep. guess why? Manny Pacquiao's been dropped. He takes takes major risks. But ironically, people love him. Huh. Even though he thinks that everybody should be... He got knocked out cold. <laughs> Even though he doesn't believe in mm. in the Bruce Jenners of the world, let's just <laughs> let's just put it that way. Well, but, but then again, well, hey man, hey, I've said it before on the show. Do I have to say it again? Hey. You either tuck it or you either cut it off or you ain't one. Quit tucking. <laughs> That's not what I say <laughs> <laughs> at all. If you cut your dick off, you need to be locked away forever. Oh, you most certainly do. But I mean, don't just <laughs> tuck that thing and claim you're a fucking woman. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about like a, a, a supposedly very religious fighter in Pacquiao that always leads to the dick chopping, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, every time. All right, man, let's get out of here. Yeah, I've please. had enough of this. All right, it's time to ride out of episode 136, Vin. But finally, the fight schedule kicks off with a top rank pay-per-view special hosted by Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> I can't fucking wait, buddy. Are you ready? Oh, my God. That's going to be a disaster. <laughs> oh, an absolute disaster. But, hey, I'm looking forward to the fight card, the return of Oscar Valdez, Vin. Yes. Always. God. Always a treat. But until episode 137, you've been listening to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. I'm Kenny Keith. Follow me on Twitter at Kenny Keith Jr. Follow my co-host Vince Cummings at Vince Cummings 81. And be sure to drop by theboxingrant.com today and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spreaker.com, Google Play, and of course the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. And stay tuned as we'll be bringing you fight announcements, fight previews, short snippets of the tale of the tape, the Boxing Rant, bringing the video back to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. And maybe, just maybe, Vin, a return 
of the Boxing Rant Live fight call? Who knows? We'll, we shall see. You never know. But until then, you've been listening to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. Muchas gracias, everybody.